And welcome back to another episode of 25 Stories That Made MLS. I am your host, Nital Raman, and I am here with your MLS nerd, Tuta Raman. Hello, hello, hello. I feel like you get uh, joy out of calling me a nerd now. I mean, we have a good buildup as to how we got there. Mm-hmm. So I think it's justified. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, this is episode six now. Yep. Right? Well, we've uh, released a bonus episode where we talked about things that maybe we didn't want to spend a regular episode on. That's pro rel. Check that out if you haven't. But we're back on schedule. And uh, we're back to the stories. So what do we have for episode six? So for episode six, we're going to talk about coaches. Um, and like we always do, we're going to start from the beginning. <laughs> in 1996. Still in the 90s. Um, so when the original 10 teams formed, um, the most of the coaches had basically the same background. And the same background was coaches that um, had... American experience before MLS started, but their original experience or where they were from is European. And that is like the most of the coaches that were in the original MLS 10. Mm-hmm. There were a few coaches that were just straight from Europe, um, had no U.S. experience. So that's like Bob Houghton for Colorado and then Frank Stapleton for New England Revolution. And we're talking about year one. Year like one. The very, very Day beginning. One. So Kirosh does not count. He was year what? Maybe he two. was also in year one, but he actually came like halfway through the season. All right, so let's count Kirosh as the one exception of like a guy who's yeah yeah. So Kir- Kirosh would be pure European. He also didn't last more than a year. So sure, yeah. So sure. all all the all the guys who came from Europe only just did did not last. Otherwise, the DNA of these coaches are from kind of the same cloth. Same cloth, which is. Uh, American experience, but mm-hmm. came from Europe. So yeah. Thomas Rongen is a good example, like Dutch, but also American, was in America for a while, then joined MLS. The two exceptions to this with no ties to Europe at all were Dave Dura at Dallas okay. and the person we're going to talk about in this one, Bruce Arena. Yes, somebody I know. <laughs> all right, Brucey. So Bruce, a uh, New York guy, yeah. uh, Brooklyn. Uh, born thick, in Brooklyn. Super thick accent. Yeah, raised in Long Island. Um, fun fact about him, his specialty, um, he played two sports growing up, and he went to Cornell, but Cornell specifically for lacrosse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't until the coach of Cornell, um, a man named Dan Wood, lost his starting goalkeeper, and then he convinced Bruce Arena to be the goalkeeper as well and joined the soccer team. And so, in, in both sports. In, so he's playing lacrosse. He's an All American, and then he starts. Uh, he joins uh, as the goalkeeper, steps in, and becomes a Defensive Player of the Year in the NCAA tournament in 1972, and is an All American in in soccer as well. So Bruce, I, mean, I don't like when you look at him now. You don't see a <laughs> mega <laughs> That's athlete. messed up, man. That's messed up. But um, I guess you're right. But. The dude was an athlete, man. It's like yeah. two two sport all American, Deion Sanders esque, you know, um, Bo Jackson esque. Yeah, yeah. So while at Cornell too, so he's doing this. He's also co- getting his first coaching experience as an assistant on the varsity B team in lacrosse. 
Um, and like his coach in soccer, Dan Wood, also so he's no- playing on the A team, but coaching the B team. He's like not. He's an assistant. Uh, assistant so coaching the the B team. B team, yeah. But getting some uh, assistant uh, uh, experience, um, and it's like noted that you know his style is like very leadership oriented. It's rough and sarcastic. It's like the style that we know today. Mm-hmm. Um, he's also. I guess going to class. Let's assume he's going to class. Okay. And then he's also teaching at a local junior high as a senior. As what? um, I forget what he was actually teaching, but he was teaching like some level of courses. He was a senior in college, but he was teaching in a local junior high. So So he's he's assistant coach to a B team, playing for an A team. Playing lacrosse in a team, playing yeah. soccer, as soccer too, a team, all American post sports, going to class in Cornell, which is an Ivy League, and then League teaching, school. and then finding the time to be cool with the kids. <laughs> the dude, I mean, you know how everyone's parents is like. When I was your age, I had like seven jobs. Yeah, the dude had seven jobs. It's like, <laughs> the dude actually had seven jobs. Yeah. Um, so get this, he's he's he has that kind of teaching gig, and so the U.S. soccer team at the time is obviously like back in the day um they basically go country to country and they play uh teams and so the u.s soccer team was playing uh in haiti and they needed a goalkeeper so mm-hmm. they reached out to bruce being a goalkeeper stop it defense. stop wait bruce arena actually played for the u.s national team so get this um he's just coming off the defensive player of the year as ncaa tournament and they need a goalkeeper so they ask him to play and he says he actually can't get out of teaching junior high. <laughs> so he says no, which is which is amazing. Um, oh, I was about to say. But a few months later, um, where his schedule is more free, uh, the U.S. soccer goes to Israel and they need a goalkeeper. And then he comes and he actually gets his first. So he actually cap. does have a cap. He has this. He has a cap. He's How a many U- caps does he have? In one. Total? One. It was just that one game. That one cap. And so he's a U.S. soccer international as well. That's crazy. Um, and then he also ends up playing for the U.S. lacrosse national team mm-hmm. that won the world champions. Now, um, lacrosse, obviously, is uh, a sport made by Native Americans. Mm-hmm. Um, and so only the U.S. and Canada win world champions. But he's a world champion in lacrosse as well. Regardless, he had to beat other good teams. Yeah. 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 Um, it's kind of amazing. I mean, he represented the country in two sports. Yeah. Which is bananas um he graduates and then he gets drafted to nasl to the cosmos he doesn't mm-hmm. actually make the key, uh, team so he plays pro lacrosse in montreal for a year before the league folds in, in in canada um so he's out of a job and he gets a call from his old soccer coach and cornell a guy named dan wood who's now coaching a startup team in the tacoma that's called the tacoma tides uh, which is in right by seattle um, and he's like the backup goalkeeper. Um, he's not making a lot of money at all. I mean, I don't think anyone who's playing soccer at this point is making that much money. No, no. So he has to they figure don't have out health insurance. Yeah, like I mean, covered. And so um, he has to find another way to make money. So he gets a full time coaching gig. So this is his first time being a full time coach mm-hmm. uh, of the men's soccer team uh, of the University of Puget Sound, which is um, a small school. University of what? Puget Sound. Okay, I haven't heard of it. Yeah, it's a small school in, in, in the Northwest, the small private school. Okay. Um, he coaches for a year. Tacoma Tides go, goes under, which is very common. It's like all these like pro soccer and lacrosse teams are 
are basically going bankrupt after a year. And then um, he goes back to Cornell to be an assistant coach. And the following year, he sees an application at the University of Virginia. Uh, one application opening for uh, to be the assistant coach for lacrosse. And then another one to be the head coach of soccer. Tell me he takes both. He takes both jobs. He takes both jobs. He takes both jobs. Oh, my God. Um, and he that's goes so on. Bruce, to, that's so Bruce Arena. That's so Bruce Arena. Uh, he, he actually takes both jobs, and he does both jobs for seven years in a row. So he's a head coach in U.S. soccer, um, Virginia's <clears throat> soccer, and the assistant on the lacrosse team for seven years. And during that time, like, the soccer team is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Like it's not winning championships. He stops coaching lacrosse and then focuses the next 11 years, so 18 years total, on just men's soccer wow. um, in Virginia. And by that point, they become a dynasty. Um, they win five national titles, the first one in 1989, and they win four consecutive titles in 91 and 94. And he realizes a couple of things. One is like his relationship with players is super important. And he finds he's a, becomes a really great recruiter. He goes to like North Jersey. Like I lived in Harrison for a little bit, right next mm-hmm. to it is Carney, mm-hmm. and that's a town where John Harks and Tony Miola, and Claudia Arena also comes a lot from. A lot of lot of lot of great great U.S. soccer players and players who could have been on the U.S. soccer team. Yeah, uh, from Jersey. Yep. One of them being a guy from Teaneck, right? Yeah. But. Um, yeah, a lot, a lot of great players in the state. And uh, so he figures out, even though he's like, I'm coaching in Virginia, I can recruit out here, and I'm recruiting them by selling them a really professional setting, right? Mm. And so Reyna, who obviously um, is a huge American soccer legend, he goes to the University of Virginia, and he credits the professional setup of like the training sessions. Like when he was a freshman, all the seniors in the team were out to like basically follow him out of the pitch. And he says like that really helped and prepared him to become a pro as soon as he uh, left Virginia. But during the Virginia tenure with Bruce Arena for 18 years, he wins 75% of games. Like not just 75, 25 wins loss, but a 75 including ties, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. And he's so good that by 1995, U.S. soccer calls on him to coach the U23 team for the Olympics, which he does while also coaching Virginia. Okay. <laughs> he just can't. He just can't. He's a guy who can't just do one thing. Just can't. Just can't do it. Um, also in 1995, he's at a coaching convention mm-hmm. and a man named Kevin Payne, who's one of the founding members of MLS. And the, he's the executive who's going to run DC United before, I mean, which is starting the following year. He approaches Bruce and asks him to kind of coach the DC United pro team. And Bruce says, like, you know, he's interested, but he's not going to say anything until he sees the training facilities first. Mm -hmm. Again, really showcasing that he knows the secret sauce at this point, which is, you know, make sure you have a professional setting and you have a great relationship with your players. He eventually takes the job, and then his first team is stacked. Like, he's got John Harks, his former Virginia player, coming back from England. Mm -hmm. He's got Eddie Pope. Yeah. Uh, Agus? Jeff Agus. Jesse Marsh, yeah, Tony Sane, um, and then he's got two-star Bolivians, uh, Jaime Moreno, and then Marco Echeverri. Yeah, his assistant he brought over, and they 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 won the first year, right? Yep. Yeah, his assistant um, he brought over from Virginia as well, which is uh, a guy that you might know, um, Bob Bradley. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. So Marco Echeverri is the most talented player on the team. But again, um, the bar that Arena wants to set is a bar of professionalism um, that's required for the team. So there's a, there's a string of uh, three games in a row where Echeverri only plays 45 minutes. Um, and then he pulls him at halftime. Three games in a row. Okay. And then DC United wins three games in a row. So Echeverri is like pissed. And, you know, he goes and tells Bruce, like, hey, I'm not a 45-minute player. You can't just keep pulling me like this. And Bruce says, you know, you have to prove it. Even though everyone knows that he's the best player. Right. And and after that, Echeverri is like committed and, and they go and win MLS Cup that year. Yeah. And in three years, they win five trophies. So uh, the first two MLS Cups, a supporter shield, they win CONCACAF Champions League um, against Toluca. So like that's something we struggle with today. He did it back then. Mm-hmm. And then he wins the Inter-American Cup, which is basically the winner of the CONCACAF versus the winner of Kama Bowl, the South American Championship. Is that a thing that, happen- that happens today? No, it does not happen anymore. But oh, he man. beats a, a, a Vasco da Gama team that's absolutely stacked as well. So five trophies, three years. Um, and then he's like, uh, and he would have had six, but he ends up losing MLS Cup 98 to the Chicago Fire. To bra- Bob Bradley. To yeah, his protege, Bradley. Bob Bradley. Yeah, expansion year. And this is the first point where I will <clears> say, like, if you look at the history of the league, you can point to, I think, in my count, Mm-hmm. 20 MLS coaches that have either uh, been all an, time you're talking about. all time all time that have been an assistant under Bruce Arena or been assistant under someone who was an assistant under Bruce Arena so some kind of degree of separation to Brucey it, only by being an assistant coach now if assistant you did assistant coach or an assistant of that assistant. Yeah. If you had it like, I played for Bruce Arena, that'd be like, I think majority of all coaches, mm-hmm. if you think about it. But I mean, um, but just from assistants. So I'll give you an example. Okay. Toronto FC's coach. Greg Vanny. Greg Vanny. Yeah. Was an assistant under Robin Frazier. Yeah. We Rob, talked about him. Robin Frazier was an assistant under Jesse Marsh. Yeah. Jesse Marsh was an assistant under Bob Bradley. Okay. Bob Bradley is an assistant under Bruce Arena. I'll give you another one. Ready? All right. Uh, Austin, when they come in the league, mm-hmm. their head coach will be Josh Wolf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Josh Wolf was an assistant under Greg Barhalter, who's an assistant under Bruce Arena. Wow. Um, so there's 20. I won't go through all of them, but of, of coaches that are in, are in the coaching right now, as we head into year 25, Bruce Arena is obviously still a coach. Bob Bradley is a mm-hmm. coach. Um, Chris Armis. Yeah. Robin Frazier is coaching. Greg Vanny is coaching. Mark Dos Santos. Uh, Jim Curtin. Jim Curtin. Or Philadelphia, right? Yep. Um, ben Olsen just got fired, so not him anymore. Um, and then Josh Wolf when he enters the league in 21. That's just playing right now, but 20 that's, all That's time. a huge, huge influence. Yeah, it's pretty. On it's the league pretty, and, and U.S. soccer as a whole. It's bananas, right? And so, um, so that is like a huge impact that, that mm-hmm. I think he's put into the league. So after he wins kind of, you know, five trophies in three years, um, he gets called to replace Steve Sampson um, after the 98 World Cup disaster, which we talked about, to be the right. new coach. Right. And the program changes from there to be like the best, you know, ever um, World Cup appearance we've ever had in 2002. Yep. We won two Gold Cups. We've had our best FIFA ranking ever, which is number four 
um, in the world right before the 2006 World Cup, um, which obviously, if you remember, the 06 World Cup didn't go super well. We got blown out by Czech. Yeah, yeah. I remember it probably yeah. too well. Tie, we tie Italy, uh, which we actually played really well, and we lose to Ghana. Yeah, we had two red cards that game. Yeah. Right? One, I think, was deserved, but the second one was kind of ridiculous. But that's besides the point. Yep. So Arena, uh, after it, is kind of is let go mm-hmm. as the uh, manager. I mean, he had eight years, which is a great run. And who replaces him? Bob Bradley. Bob Bradley. Um, Arena then jo- joins the New York Red Bulls for two years. Um, I like to point out, I'm a, I'm a Red Bulls fan. Like I said, I grew, I grew up in Jersey. I also lived next to I Harrison. Think- I think the years that he was with Red Bull, right? Yeah. For me, not memorable. Oh, yeah. Totally not memorable. Yeah. Um, There was only one period in Arena's entire career where he did not have more wins than losses, and it was with the Red Bulls. Yeah. Um, Now, they gave him a little bit less than two years total, and they didn't give him a chance to turn it around. Remind me what years that I want to say this is 2009. Is that, that's pre, that's pre, obviously pre on Henri. Yeah, 2009 right? 2010, I think. Yeah. Yep. Uh, he gets fired. Um, fun fact about the Rebels, we also fired Bob Bradley. That's true. Um, uh, he takes a few years off, and then he comes back to coach an LA Galaxy team that's in complete disarray. This mm-hmm. is when David Beckham joined the team, and he's like in a feud with Landon Donovan and Grant Wall. Right, wrote it, that big book about the Beckham experiment, showcasing mm-hmm. how bad the um, the locker room was, and the team had really wilted under the previous manager. And so the first thing he does, he gets basically, and he calls Beckham and Landon um, in for breakfast, and he's like, you know, you guys are both getting into a room, and we're not leaving until you guys hash things out. Just get it out there. You know, let's talk about it. And if you're going to agree to disagree, that's fine. But you, you can't just, like, not talk about it, right? So, again, he knows players. That's He manages players really well. It's a great sequel to The Breakfast Club, really. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, he also realizes, like, the problem wasn't the offense, but they didn't have a great defense. So he drafts Omar Gonzalez. And the team really flourishes underneath them, winning Supporters' Shield in 2010 and mm-hmm. 2011, and as well as MLS Cup 2011, 2012, and 2014. Again, that's... Yeah, it's, it started getting annoying around those years, like how often they were just winning stuff. Yeah. Again, that's five trophies. That's mm-hmm. five trophies, and I think for four years or so. Um, there's two legitimate dynasties in MLS history. Yeah, it was early DC United. And the LA and Galaxy. And the LA Galaxy, and both were kind of uh, led by, no, not kind of, definitely led by Bruce Arena, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't I, I don't think you can say any other team has been a dynasty. Um, the Toronto... Oh, uh, well, we don't, we don't know yet. I think, I think my only argument, not even an argument, counterpoint to that is let's give it a couple years. Yeah. And let's see where Seattle ends up. Seattle, I think, could have, has a route. Because, because... They've been great this past. You know, I would say five to ten years. They've yeah. been pretty. They've been pretty good. Definitely a team of the decade. Yeah. I think you could probably make an argument they're already there if you count. But they're just different eras, right? It's like you have a whole bunch of U.S. Open Cups. Mm-hmm. You have, um, and then they've won. They've two been MLS consistently Cups. good for ten years. Yeah. Uh, if you want to talk about trophy dynasty and. Um, Honestly, more MLS Cups than 
supporter shields or anything else, like supporter shields or US Open Cups. Because the thing that you remember from early DC United or LA Galaxy is the amount of stars above their crest, right? Yep. So I would say give it a couple of years to see where Sounders end up. Good point. Yeah. But uh, I think so far, I think you can say there's legitimate, definitely been two. Both have been led by Bruce, Bruce, Bruce Arena. Right? Yeah. Um, he goes back into retirement and then he gets called back um, in emergency fashion after Klinsman's terrible start to World Cup mm-hmm. qualifying 2018. Um, he wins the Gold Cup 2017. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. We had some dope jerseys. I really like those designs. The, yeah. the dark, dark navy blue and the red uh, horizontal stripe and the cool like stars on the sleeve. It's crazy, isn't it? Yep. It's nuts. Like We won Gold Cup. Things were looking like they were turning around. And then just, just go. Just say it. Just it was continue a, the story. a terrible, awful day in Trinidad and Tobago. Yeah. And we don't qualify for the World Cup. And he gets, uh, I mean, I I guess he gets let go for the second time. Um, Where he then eventually gets replaced by um, Greg Berhalter, who also assisted. Wait, wait. But wasn't the interim coach Dave... Dave Sarakin, who was who was ass- also an assistant under Bruce Arena, <laughs> under Bruce Arena, <laughs> and then Greg Berhalter, who was an assistant under Bruce Arena. <laughs> yeah, um, and and then he just came back uh, this year to New England after New England had a terrible start, brought him to the playoffs, mm-hmm. and he's still coaching right now. And honestly, based on past performance, I would not be surprised if he probably wins five trophies with them as well. And what New England Revolution? Well, I mean, he's won five trophies with every other MLS team except for the Rebels. So, I, mean, I would say there there need to be some changes in New England, but yeah. yeah. Um, but this is where we are. Where MLS is entering year twenty five. Arena was there from the very beginning. Arena mm. is still here now. Every single U.S. soccer coach that we've had in that time period has been either Arena himself or an assistant under Arena. Um, there's been twenty. MLS coaches that have been an assistant under arena or an assistant under an assistant of arena. Um, And he's by far the most accomplished coach. And honestly, we could probably go another 25 years and you probably won't get a more influential or accomplished coach um, in major league soccer um, or U S soccer. I would say that's totally true. And so the episode of this title is called the boss. Cause I think Bruce arena regardless of recent um, results, has been truly the boss. Yeah. <laughs> That's our pupper, JJ. In the background snoring. The background and so snoring, yeah. That is, uh, that's the story of the boss and Bruce Arena and how he single-handedly has impacted um, the league. Cool. So uh, what would you say... Bruce Arena coming back now into the picture with New England. What do you think? What do you think his challenge is for year twenty five? I think. I mean, everyone is everyone's strike against Bruce Arena now after the debacle in Trinidad Tobago is right. to say his tactics are outdated. So I think his he was never really. I mean, based on the story you just told me, yeah, it seems like his big secret sauce, as you would say, is professionalism and team chemistry. Yep. over everything yep and i think he's tactically sound um mm. so i think his challenge is to prove that that formula still works today i mean he's been in the game for a really 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 long time yeah 
Um, so that is episode six, everybody, the boss in the books. And if you could read off some sources. All right, I have three sources. Um, first one is called Hidden Caps, Bruce Arena's Appearance in Israel by Tom, Tom Dunmore. Second one is Dissecting Bruce Arena's Legacy. Um, that was done by the 442 Magazine. And the third one is U.S. Men's National Team Competing at World Cup with the Cornelian Bruce Arena at its helm by Alex Kwan. And a message to Bruce Arena, if you could just, you know, work one job at a time and save some for the rest of us. (laughs) (laughs) That would be great. Thanks, Bruce. Thank you, Bruce. And thank you, listeners. Uh, We'll catch you next time. Uh, Don't forget to rate and review us and then follow us at 25 underscore stories. At 25 underscore stories. See you later. Peace.